Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Ecclesiology. Uh, this morning we got a pretty fun topic for you, I think. Have you read through what we're talking about today yet, Desiree? Nope. No okay. I read the All first right. bullet point, so I think it's good to go. Cockroaches or the other bullet the point? The other bullet point. All right. Well, what's new with you, Desiree? <sighs> Not much. <laughs> Not much? You don't want to talk about it? Oh, I'm fine with talking about it. You want to talk oh. about it? I live in a house that was You live in a house? I live in an apartment oh. that was infested and less infested now. With cockroaches. Yeah. Yeah. We had a cockroach problem. And we may still have a slight cockroach problem. We're working on it. But we'll see how effective our treatment was from the other day. I knew we had a couple problems because in the morning, if there were a couple of dishes that got left in the sink overnight to be washed, which is pretty normal, we'd come back and... Then there'd be a cockroach crawling out of the drain or five. Ooh, yeah, it gives me shivers every time. Yeah, it's not good. So uh, Desiree was wise and said we needed to do something about it. So we did. Went to the store. We got some stuff. And I didn't realize how bad it was until we got all the stuff, came back, pulled out the fridge, and then a good section of the wall just all started to move and scatter. It was not good. It was a lot of cockroaches. But we got a lot of it taken care of. Uh, it's much better right now. I've seen a couple of little bugs yeah. running around, but they were probably the ones we couldn't quite get to. Yeah. And we sprayed everywhere. We, yeah, we were prepared when we moved the fridge, so yeah. we were able to take care of yes. them before they ran into the rest of the I house. Had, I had Raid in hand, and there was a, a, a battle scene back there behind and everything. And if you don't think we should have killed them, then you can just... You can come and take care of them for Go us. Go live in your yeah. own house with your yep. cockroaches. If you know a better way to take care of cockroaches without killing them, by all means, hit us up at our email. Oh, yeah. Because we have an email. Look at that transition. That yeah. was good. That was smooth. Man, people should sponsor us with those kind of transitions. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So we have an email now. If you want to get in touch with us, um, I'll include it in the description of the podcast. Um, if I remember, I'll go back and put it in the description of the other episodes. And in the actual description on the podcast page, where we describe the podcast, not just each episode. Uh, but it is everydayecclesiology at gmail.com. Um, you're welcome to email us with whatever. We won't necessarily respond, but I'll try to, especially since we probably only have 20 people listening. So it'd be pretty easy to give a pretty good response. Get in now on the ground floor, be able to get answers one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Maybe not. But if you have any questions, ideas, suggestions, just want to see if the email works, I don't know. You can shoot us an email. Be like one of those fangirls that's like, I love your podcast. Please respond. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can email us. Um, no capitals, no spaces, but I'll put it in the description. So if you want to yep. find it, you can look there. That should show up no matter what platform you get them on. So we have an email. So now you can actually contact us and we can hear your feedback, which is... Yay. Yep. All right. You can't see his thumbs up, but he's no. Oh, yeah. Done you can't see my thumbs times. up. Yeah. Um, we have one guest confirmed coming on. Don't have a topic cemented yet. Do we have a date? You. You're my date. <laughs> I mean, a date oh. of when... No. Oh, okay. Got don't that. don't have a date cemented yet. I don't know how long it'll be because we're getting into like busy season season, yeah. you know, when like all the holidays are coming up and people get busy and people travel. So we'll see you when it actually works out well but um we have one guest secured and we have we're gonna let her pick the topic um oh, i have really? a couple of options and then she okay. can pick from those or if she has something else that she thinks hey this is something i really want people to know about and think about and give more thought to then 
she can pick that too. Um, but we have one confirmed. I have a couple in the yeah. works that I got to contact still, but we have one for sure that said, yes, I will do it. We're pumped. I went on a road trip today. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Have I told you the story yet? Yeah. I told you the whole thing? I think so. Oh, Brenna didn't hear the whole thing. Yeah, because she asked me about it tonight. So um, I was going with my pastor. We we're going to go on a road trip up to see a roaster. A coffee roaster, because both of us are, are a little bit into coffee. A little bit. A little bit. It, okay, I don't have an espresso machine, so I'm not a lot into coffee. You do. I, okay, it's broken machine. and it was free. <laughs> this, this is a different story. So we went to visit a coffee roastery today. Uh, the guy was going to give us a tour. So we drove uh, about an hour and a half up there. And so texted the guy and then got a call. He's like, hey, so basically he forgot. Aww. He was an hour away and couldn't drive back immediately because he was picking up a car uh, for somebody. And it's okay. People forget. And we were the only people coming that day. And I mean, people forget things. It happens. So we weren't upset or anything. And it's not any slight against him, but it was funny. We, we had driven up there and we had had time to hang out and chat on the way up and it was great. It was kind of our final meeting, quote unquote, mm -hmm. for the internship. And we got a, a good time to chat. And then so we found a coffee shop on the way back, stopped, drank a little bit of coffee. I got, I ordered a latte. And only after I ordered the latte did I notice that there was no espresso machine in the coffee shop. Which if you know anything about coffee, you know that it's actually not possible to make a latte without an espresso machine. Because you can't make true espresso, which is actually required for a true latte. So I was like, okay. What's she going to do? And then I saw her pull out a, an AeroPress, which, okay, can make strong coffee, but it's not espresso, which means it's not a latte. But it was okay. I enjoyed the steamed milk with a little bit of coffee <laughs> in it. Uh, it was actually better than I thought it was. They used whole milk, and so that helps with the flavor a lot. And the coffee that she brewed wasn't over-extracted, wasn't under-extracted. Under and so it wasn't a bad coffee taste when I tasted it. So um, props to them for being creative. I mean, I probably wouldn't market it as a latte because it's actually not a latte because that's not what the definition of a latte is. But I enjoyed the coffee nonetheless. I mean, Casey's has the cappuccino machines and those aren't technically yeah. cappuccinos. Uh -huh. But they're good. Yeah. Maybe it's a branded thing. I don't know how they do that. But yeah, that's also not a cappuccino. If you think a cappuccino is what you get at Casey's, I feel sorry for you. But hey, maybe you like it. It's fine. Anyway, that's what's new with us. That's seven minutes of what's new with us. Yep. But don't forget our email. We have an email. What are we talking about today, Desiree? Other than cockroaches. Oh. And discipleship. You're jumping right in. You're going yeah, for it. Well, you asked. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to cover all the ground there is to cover with yeah. evangelism and yeah. with discipleship in one episode. That's not our goal. I want to show a little bit about the relationship between evangelism and and discipleship how they relate to one another go ahead and slurp i'm not gonna slurp we're drinking our homemade hot chocolate and it's really good because it uses whole milk and is it hot cocoa or hot chocolate oh no false advertising again fact checker we need you to check out whether or not it's hot cocoa or hot chocolate we made it homemade we made it with milk we heated up the milk we added cocoa powder we also added some brown sugar and vanilla and heavy cream and i think something else as well but is that hot cocoa or hot chocolate? We need to know. Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> evangelism and discipleship. Oh, wow. Um, so before we get... Oh, dear. Bump the table. That's probably going to show up on the mic. Um, so what is a disciple? 
if we want to know how evangelism and discipleship relate to one another, first we need to establish what is a disciple. So, Desiree? Well, I can share Google's definition. Sounds good. A follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. Yeah. You want to say that again? Read it all proper-like? Sure. A follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. I feel like our <laughs> fact checker is going to die of laughter. <laughs> I'm ready for that. Yeah. So a disciple, when we're thinking, oh, I bumped the table again. This is not going to be good. I need to get a boom arm. I need to get okay. it. So um, a disciple isn't a uniquely Christian term. Um, so we in Christian circles typically think of, oh, we need to be discipling people or, oh, are you being discipled or are you a disciple? Or even if we read through scripture, we see that there are disciples in scripture. And so in my mind, at least, and typically in our in our circles, our Baptist circles, our um, uh, especially if you walk across the street here to Faith Baptist Bible College, if you talk about being a disciple, people will automatically assume Christianity is involved. But that's not actually in the definition of a disciple. One definition, yes, relates specifically, even in the dictionary, to um, Jesus. But you don't have to have anything to do with Christianity to be a disciple, right? Right. Yeah. What are you laughing at? I'm just tired. I think I'm in my giggly mood. Oh, dear. That's going to be a great podcast. So, Desiree, do you have to be a Christian to be a disciple? No. Oh, interesting. So, like, anyone can be a disciple of anyone else? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, okay. you, yeah. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> having just watched the presidential debate, it makes me oh. think of all the people that are disciples of their chosen nominee. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Desiree, you can look at my bullet points if you want to, okay. but when does someone become a disciple? We gave a definition, well, so... Yeah. So when they follow along with someone's teaching or leadership or philosophy. Yeah, exactly. So if you're following Trump and you're a follower or a student of Trump and his philosophy, his leadership, his teaching, then you are a disciple of Donald mm -hmm. Trump. I'm not saying whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm using it as an, as an example of people that exists, exist that are disciples that aren't that may not be at all related to Christianity. It's outside of the realm of, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is outside of the realm of Christianity. I'm saying it's not directly, inherently related to Christianity. Take, for example, Plato. Not like the stuff you play with. Oh, P-L-A-T-O. Yeah. Papa, Lima, Alpha, Tango, Oscar. Want to get all off. fancy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was hard because it was late at night. But you could be a disciple of Plato. You could be a disciple of Aristotle. And that wouldn't necessarily be tied to Christianity. Right. Same thing with political leaders or mm -hmm. anybody. So tell me more. When does someone become a disciple? Uh, well, they can and should be a disciple before they're actually saved. Yeah. Relating to Christianity? Yeah. What do you mean by should be? Okay. I know I said that, but it was your bullet point, yeah, so I was I'm by... asking you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I said that someone can and even should be a disciple even before they're saved. And I say that to say more not about the person that is unsaved that gets saved, but to put a little bit of pressure on people that are, are saved and are reaching out to the lost. Oh, okay. Does that make a little bit of sense? Yeah, the pressure isn't on the person that's not saved yet. The pressure yes. is on us to disciple mm -hmm. people and importantly unsaved 
as well as saved. Yeah. But. So that's how people come to a knowledge of salvation is through discipleship. Mm-hmm. I won't say always because that's a very strong word, mm-hmm. but normally, that's the normative means is through discipleship, which sounds weird because in most people's minds, they think, okay, you evangelize, they get saved, then they become a disciple, which, okay, Christ said, go and make disciples in Matthew 18. We'll get there. We'll get there. But this doesn't say, I'm not saying anything about the time frame for being a disciple prior to salvation, meaning the time frame that you're a disciple before you're saved, that the amount of time that you're a disciple of someone that you're listening to what I'm saying. Let's say, let's give a, a practical example to this. That'll be a little bit clearer. Let's say that you're unsaved. Now, I am. Yeah. Let's okay. pretend you're an unsaved person off the street. All right. Okay. Or someone that I've known from work. All right. Okay. So I get to know you. All right. Maybe I don't know you very much. I know your name. And so I share with you the truth of the gospel. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, you're listening to me speak, right? Yes. And you have to hear me all the way through the gospel. Okay. And then whether you believe or not, mm-hmm. and whether you are a Christian or not, can only be determined after you, at minimum, know the whole gospel. Okay. At least all of the gospel that's required to salvation, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. But you have to listen to, be a student of, mm-hmm. my teaching. Right. Even before you can be saved. That's a very basic level. But it should also reach farther than that. But for, for consistency's sake... Um, so that this, this truth can be applied to all evangelism applications or all situations in life. Um, that time frame that someone is a disciple before they're saved, um, can be measured in seconds, sometimes minutes, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. Or Which, even decades. Did I put it on there? Oh, wow. Good job. You read better <laughs> than I do. I think you just heard our fist bump on the mic. It's a little spike. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there are some people that maybe maybe you have an unsaved brother. All right, you got saved when you were 12, and now you're both 25, and um, you've been trying to share the gospel with him for so long, and you've known him, and maybe he's listened to your teaching, and maybe he's learned, and maybe he's curious about Christianity. And so he keeps asking questions, and he's curious, and he's learning, and he wants to know, well, what do you think about this? And he always listens to your teaching. He may not agree with it yet, but he still might be, in some forms, a disciple because you are taking time to answer his questions. Invest. I hate that word because it's so overused, but it is applicable. Invest in his life, meaning you spend time intentionally getting to know him or teaching him about who God is with the purpose of him coming to a saving knowledge of Christ, him believing the gospel. All right. So he is a disciple. You do spend time trying to disciple him even before he's saved. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yep. So this can be fleshed out a number of different ways. But evangelism, I'm going to shelve it under discipleship. We'll get to that in a minute. But what's evangelism? For our purposes, we mean sharing the gospel with those who do not yet believe the gospel. That's how we're going to use it for yeah. the evening. Mm-hmm. We've alluded to that already. We have alluded to that already. Whew. I didn't think hot chocolate. Oh, I did put instant coffee in that hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. Now, I think there's another question that we, th- that we should answer. What is the gospel? Yeah, it's a good question. What's another way to put that? 
can you describe the gospel? No, it's written there. Oh. Oh, what must I believe to be saved? Good job. <laughs> yep, that's a good question. So I've written out a couple of points. I had to uh, work this up. I say work this up. I had to take the time to put down on paper um, core tenets of the gospel. Tenets. T-E-N-E-T-S. Not tenets. Like it's people. not two N's? Fact checker. I need a fact checker. Um, tenet. T-E-N-E-T. Yeah, it's T-E-N-E-T. Google didn't underline it for me, so it's correct. Okay. Let's go. So, what must I believe in order to be saved? Well, one, that I'm a sinner. I believe you're a sinner. Yeah, I believe you're a sinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's pause for some marital counseling. All right, so... Um, for, I'm going to put this all in terms of me. Okay. Okay. Not in terms of you must, but I must. Um, so I must believe that I am a sinner in order for me to be saved. Right. I also must believe that God exists. Yeah. You cannot be saved. You cannot be regenerated. You cannot be alive with Christ, whatever New Testament language you want to use, unless you believe that God exists. If you deny God's existence, you are not saved. Both of those things that I just said are true. You must, one, not deny, but two, also believe. Yeah. There's a difference between those two things, mm -hmm. and we'll get to that in a minute. That'll just be a quick caveat at the end. So, what's the third thing that I must believe for me to be saved, Desiree? That you are under God's wrath because you are a sinner. Correct. All right, what else? Um, that Jesus was and still is divine. Yeah. I must believe that Jesus was and is the son of god okay if i yeah i wanted to make sure you defined mm -hmm. divine divine <laughs> meaning god he is god yep i must believe that what else must i believe that jesus was and is still sinless yeah as being god um, inherently tied to being god means that he was and continues to be forever sinless yep yep what else Oh, hold on, I was yawning. Oh, good yawn. Man, you're going to get me. <laughs> Jesus' death was a substitutionary atonement for your sins. All right, what does that mean? Oh, boy. <laughs> Hitting you with the hard ones. You better just... You want me to do, do it? Is yeah, it pretty late at night? night. Yep. Yeah, it's 9.47 on a Wednesday night. Now you know our secret. All right, <laughs> so Jesus' death, um, when he, he died in my place, but it was a substitutionary atonement. atonement. Oh, atonement is like payment. Yeah. Right? Okay, okay, so substitutionary is pretty easy to break down if you've ever been in school. Now, you were homeschooled, so your substitutes <laughs> were a little bit different, but if yeah. you've ever especially been in public school or you just know what a substitute teacher is, it's someone who steps in the place of another. So Jesus' death, because remember, I must believe that I am under God's wrath because I'm a sinner, and that wrath definitely includes death. Eternal separation from God. Which, that's the punishment. Yeah, that's the for punishment. For being a sinner. For being a sinner. So I deserve that. But yep. Jesus' death serves, if I believe, that it was a, Jesus' death was a substitutionary atonement for my sins. So he right. died in my place, mm -hmm. taking the penalty for my sin. Right. Okay. What else must I believe? Is that it? That Jesus rose from the dead, yeah. a common thing that's forgotten. Yep. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, for example, um, 
Paul gives a quick summary of this is the gospel. Um, it doesn't include everything because he's reminding the Corinthians of what is true and a, a short synopsis of the gospel. There are several things connected to it, and there are several things that are assumed uh, that Paul doesn't explicitly mention that I've drawn out a little bit. For instance, Paul doesn't say that you must believe that Jesus was God, but that is true. You can't just believe that somebody died. Right. Yes. Yeah. So pa Paul already knew that they understood who Jesus truly was, so I have laid that out a little bit more clearly. Anyway, if you look in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uh, explicitly mentions that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And usually those are the three things that people include. Mm -hmm. DBR, death, burial, resurrection. Certainly those things are important. But think, of, think about it with me for a minute. What's important is that he died. That was the substitutionary atonement, death. We usually say that he was buried. But why is that important? Is that really necessary for the atonement to take place? Well... The reason Paul includes it is, one, it happened, but two, it's a proof that he died. He right. was buried. that's what I was thinking. And then we say that he rose from the dead, died, buried, rose again. Mm -hmm. Death, burial, resurrection. But we don't include the proof that Paul includes that he rose again, which is he was seen mm -hmm. by lots of people. So we're, we're including a burial as a proof and saying that's important to the gospel, but we're not including that he was seen afterwards as a proof and saying it's important to the gospel, yeah. even though Paul includes it. So that's why I'm not including burial in what you must believe to be saved, but I am including death and resurrection. It's also why I'm not including sighting. So, let me, I think I rabbit trailed That's a little bit too much. Yeah, a little rabbit trail. Yeah. So, what is the gospel? I must believe that I'm a sinner. I must believe God exists. I must believe that I'm under God's wrath because I'm a sinner. I must believe Jesus was and is divine. I must believe Jesus was and is sinless, tied to his divinity. I must believe Jesus' death was a substitutionary atonement for my sins. I must believe... I don't have to know those words, by the way. I just have to believe that truth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I must believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I must believe that believing in those tenets, those seven things, <laughs> is the requirement for salvation. And I must believe that nothing else can help in any way to earn salvific merit of any kind. So what's the scripture for that? That those are the, the requirement for salvation? You mean like one passage that has all of those things? I would I would point you first to 1 Corinthians 15. Okay. But also, not all those things are explicitly listed, like I mentioned. Some of those things are right. assumed because the Corinthians already knew them. Yeah. Um, but they are, they are necessary to, under, to, to understand and believe. What are you asking? Okay. Nope, that makes sense. Okay. All right, we got off on a tangent about the gospel, which is a tangent I will happily go on mm -hmm. anytime. However, why did we why did we talk about the gospel? Well, because we're talking about evangelism. Mm -hmm. We mentioned how evangelism and discipleship are tied together a little bit, but let's flesh that out a little bit more. How does the gospel, how does, um, I wrote the wrong word there. How does evangelism fit with discipleship. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so I wrote yeah. evangelism, but it's discipleship. So, yeah. evangelism is, properly viewed, shelved under discipleship. Meaning, it's a part of the process of making disciples. Right, because sharing the Gospels with unbelievers is a form of discipleship. Yeah, sharing with them, teaching yeah. them. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I've heard this analogy used and I appreciate it. Is it the analogy? No, but is it helpful? Yeah, so I'm gonna use it. So let's say that discipleship is a house, okay? If discipleship is a house, what's the front door? Salvation. Yes. Why is that? Or can you explain you wrote that a it more? down? <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm gonna have you pretend that discipleship, the broad umbrella, which we haven't defined in depth yet. That's for another episode. Um, but it's teaching people about God. But it's it's more than that. I hate to give that brief a definition, but. Um, Hopefully, you know, have a little bit of an idea of what discipleship is, teaching someone else, um, training them. Um, think of how, like, Paul wrote letters to Timothy. You don't, it doesn't have to be writing letters, but the way that Paul taught Timothy, all right? Um, if discipleship is a house, salvation is the front door. People are already on the property and across the porch of discipleship by the time they reach the door of salvation. Now, this doesn't mean people are saved before they're saved. That's not what I'm saying. People are saved only when they believe the gospel. But what I'm saying is that evangelism is a part of making discipleship. It's a part of that house. And yes, they have to cross over that front door in order to continue in actual, uh, actually being a disciple of Christ. Mm -hmm. But they can still learn about Christ. And because the porch is part of the house. Yes. And they have to learn about the truth before they can believe the truth at salvation at the door. Okay. Okay, so think of the Great Commission, Matthew 28. This is a great example of this. Yeah. Um, we are commanded to what? Go? Make disciples. Yeah. So the command in that verse is not to go. I've heard that improperly emphasized before. But it's not. The command is to make disciples. Um, so this involves discipleship within the church, right? Yep. So what, what's an example of that? Older women teaching younger women and older men teaching the younger men. Hmm, that sounds like a passage of scripture. What passage Times would that be? Times two. Hey, there we go. Yeah, I didn't even write that in there. You just knew that. Yeah. You're smart. So, but it also involves reaching out to the unsaved people to make new disciples. And that's where evangelism comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, when we evangelize the lost, we're sharing the gospel with unbelievers. But the reason we're doing that is to make disciples. So evangelism is just one of the first steps in making disciples. And in fact, as people begin listening to what we have to say, which is hopefully from scripture, if we're actually trying to make disciples, then they begin to be disciples even before they're saved, if they're listening to what we have to say, if they're hearing a teacher and listening to my philosophy, my teaching, and they're learning from it. That's how discipleship and evangelism briefly are related. And how they oh. work with uh, ecclesiology. Yeah. Yeah. You want to read that last sentence that I wrote that uh, I definitely didn't proofread? This is how discipleship and evangelism and discipleship are related. <laughs> I think I forgot I put it down first. All right. That's a, that's a brief flyover. Um, hopefully that helps a little bit because I always, um, I always cringed a little bit or I didn't understand I think didn't understand is better because I didn't really cringe. I was just curious why we separated. We need, we need to be involved in evangelism and discipleship. And I was, I got to thinking, I was like, aren't those really two sides to the same coin? 
Like, one's just part of the other. We need to involve, be involved in making disciples. Christ didn't say in the Great Commission, go therefore and evangelize and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Evangelism is just part of making disciples. You need to go to bed, Desiree. Yeah. Okay. You want to wrap it up with what we're reading? Um, well, I know for me, I've only read a little bit since last week. That's more than I've read. <laughs> I've uh, perused a couple articles. I've listened to a couple of good podcasts, but that's not reading. Well, articles are. Podcasts aren't. Podcasts aren't bad, but they're not reading. Read some books. I need to read some books. I've been enjoying some time off, but I haven't been enjoying it by reading. I need to get back to that. <laughs> but together, we're going to be reading... Um, we've been reading the Understanding books mm-hmm. uh, in the... Church Basics series. Yeah, Church Basics series. A lot of them edited by Jonathan Lehman. Um, and this one is called Understanding Congregational Authority. I don't think I'm going to agree with everything in the book. Mm. Um, I've already been tipped off that I might not agree with everything in the book, which is fine. That doesn't mean that I don't read the book. Um, it just means that I, as always, read carefully. Um, and think about what I'm reading and don't just breeze through it and say, oh yeah, that sounds good. I think I'll listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. But I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting a little bit more reading done. And are we going to go weekly now? Oh, I don't know. I think we can. As long as we don't record late night every time. I guess they'll find out. Yeah. Depending on whether we have a podcast next week or not. Paul Schmidt, check back next week. See if maybe we have one. I know some people check every week and are like, oh no, it's only every other week. So maybe we'll change that. Maybe we'll think of you. Maybe we'll throw in a bonus episode next week, but still be on bi-weekly until November. Yeah. We could throw in bonus episodes. Might even pop one in like midweek sometime if we're feeling a real crazy. Anyway, feel free right. to email us. Yes. With our new setup email. Yeah. And uh, look forward to coming up with another topic for next time yep all right till then bye